time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Thrivology Podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you thrive no matter what life throws your way. I am a thrivologist, which means that I study how people thrive. And when I say that, that doesn't mean I study how people are always in a good mood or how they're super successful, but how they thrive overall in life. One of the things that happens is life is kind of like this living laboratory that gives us opportunities on working on how to thrive. And guess what? 2020 has been an open lab of experimentation and learning about how to thrive. It's thrown us everything. It's given us so many opportunities to figure out how to thrive. I mean, we're looking at a pandemic that is a once in a century event. Most of us a year ago didn't see it coming at all. In fact, you know, even in China, maybe there are a couple of cases, but it was such a small thing even then, even just a year ago. Then in this last year, we've also had in the United States disruptive political issues popping up left and right, an election that was contentious and continues to be, as of the release of this podcast, a very contentious process. And that's not just in the U.S., Politics have been contentious in other countries, too, where people are you know, looking at the basic issues of their life and wondering what's next. Then we have many crises. I mean, we are into the Greek alphabet now of storms because we ran out of the regular names that we would use. I remember years ago when, you know, the latter alphabets, they never got used. And now we went straight through those and right into the Greek alphabet. And we're not through with it yet, right? There'll be more things coming. And that is just the global pieces. All of us have individual things. I mean, I was talking with someone the other day, and I was talking about some, you know, some things that had happened in uh, my life. And they were like, wow, that's so much. And I said, you know, if you parse it out, there are a couple of things that have happened that are out of the ordinary, that, you know, the, the, well, everything, all of this is out of the ordinary, but there are a couple of things that would be just kind of normal life, just events in life. And then the out of the ordinary that are around us, the pandemic and the politics and global issues and, and weather issues and all of these things suddenly have amplified when something smaller hits, something that maybe just a normal life event hits. And because of that, we're trying to figure out where do we go from here? And I've talked with a lot of people who just say, I've lost hope. Some people have lost hope because they just don't see life, at least how they've known life, to continue through. And the thing is, as I've noticed, every day I go out for my walk, that sun keeps coming up, right? Every day it breaks the horizon and comes on up and it sets at the end of the day. And for many of us, we get lost and all of these big things going on, so much so that it disrupts our everyday life in ways that maybe are not just about that. Maybe they're about how we hold on to hope. How do we think about hope? How do we move through? And the problem is that with challenge after challenge after challenge, we start feeling fatigue. 
And when we start feeling fatigue, sometimes we lose our way. Sometimes we can't see the way forward. We, we've lost ourselves in the forest for the fatigue. We're just too tired to keep moving forward. And then I've noticed a lot of people because of that have told me about their feeling hopeless. They're feeling like they don't know what's coming. They don't know what to move through, which does raise the question, what is hope? You know, what is that concept? I mean, we all kind of know when we have hope and many people can say, well, now I feel hopeless. And the interesting thing is over the years, as people have used those expressions in my office, I've asked them, what do you mean by that? So they'll come in and they say, hey, I'm feeling very hopeless. I just just feel really hopeless. And I'll ask what that means, hope. And they struggle to tell me what it means to have hope or to lose hope, to be hopeless. And yet they're using that term. Then I've had people who have told me about their having hope. They found hope. And I would ask, what what do you mean by that? I mean, how did you find hope? What does that mean to you? And they struggled to define what that hope is about, what they mean by hope. It's an interesting term. I mean, is it a feeling? Is, Is it something you just kind of feel? And so maybe one day you wake up and you go, wow, the sun's come up. I have hope again. Or, you know, maybe that's the feeling of that, right? Because certainly there is a feeling side to hope. You know what it's like. I know what it's like to feel hope, to feel hopeless, to feel that sense within you. You know, when you have hope, you go, okay, now I can, I can move forward. Now I can move forward. And when you have hopelessness, you go, wow, I don't, I don't know what to do here, right? That's a feeling part. Is it a direction? I mean, is it something where you go, I have hope about moving in this direction? I have hope about getting to this point. Maybe it's possibility, just simply that there is a possibility of something else. Maybe that's it, right? That that possibility of something gives us hope. Maybe it's all of those. Maybe that's a piece of that. I've looked at hope for a long time because there's this interesting thing where we struggle with hope versus reality. When I was a chaplain years ago at the beginning of my career, one of the things that we worked very hard to do was to help people move through, and let me just go back and put air quotes around that word help, people move through the stages of grief. We were getting them on the road to acceptance. And I was working in a hospital where, you know, families were facing tragic events, that families were facing illnesses, patients were facing illnesses and tragic events and not knowing what to do. One of the floors I spent a lot of time on was the oncology floor. So people who had cancer would come in and I would watch them move through a process where there are two paths. One is that they recovered and the other is that they didn't recover. And I watched how each side kind of dealt with that. And so one of the theories back then was we had to get everybody to this place of acceptance. And and what I realized was acceptance really wasn't acceptance as much as resignation, We wanted them to be resigned to things. And I look back and I get sad about what happened with those people because many times I think we took away their hope. We took away their belief that there may be something beyond this, beyond their illness, that maybe there's some way to get through this. And so if you are not familiar with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's model of grief, she said that there were different stages of grief. And the first one was denial. Denial is when you are just are unwilling to look at what's happening. Now, to remind you, 
Elizabeth Kubler-Ross used her ideas about the process of grief for people who had terminal diagnoses. Now, we've expanded that idea of what grief is about to include every grief reaction has these responses, and that's not really what she meant. She was looking at people who really were struggling with the illness. They were the ones who were in the midst of grief about their own diagnosis. And so the first thing that would happen was denial. This isn't going on. The doctor is wrong. That diagnostic test was wrong. The x-ray is wrong. You know, the surgery is wrong. Whatever it is, not true. So they just wouldn't look at what the diagnosis was about. And then after that, we would start getting to the other stages like anger. They would react angrily to, to people who would try to talk to them. I remember many times the doctors would come in and the patients would refuse to have a conversation with the doctor because they were angry about the diagnosis, angry with the doctor, angry with family members, angry with what had caused it, right? Angry with God. So many things they were angry about with the diagnosis. And then we got into depression and bargaining. Bargaining is when you're trying to find another way around this. You know, please God, if you let me get to this point in life, then I'll give up or I'll, I'll always follow you. Or maybe they're bargaining with the doctors. If you just find a way to keep me alive, I'll do this. You know, there's so much bargaining internally and with greater forces that we do. And then there is that depression when you may just feel like you've given up. And what I've realized is many times what we basically did is not get people to acceptance, but basically to depression. We got, we got them to the sad place. And then we could kind of sit back and go, okay, we've moved them away from denial, right? Now they're not angry, and that's a lot easier. And now they've given up on bargaining, but we didn't realize that the next step to acceptance was not about what happens, but where you are. And the beginning point of this process is being able to say, this is what is, right? This is where I am. This is the difference between what people talk about with hope and reality. So somebody will have some hopeful thing about what's going to happen, and somebody's happy to throw cold water on it and say, well, you don't really believe that's possible, do you? And what they're usually claiming is they're just showing them reality. And they're using reality as a different thing than hope. Reality is just about you know, this, this definition of what you want to assign on something. Hope, though, starts with where you are. Being able to know where you are. I mean, doesn't every journey start with, this is where I am? I mean, you open up your, your phone now, right? And it pulls up a GPS. And let's say you want to go to your favorite restaurant. You're not sure how to get there. You open it up, and there's a little dot that says, you are here. And it shows you the route to that place you want to get to. It's true if you're taking a long trip. You are here. You better know where here is. Not long ago, I'd been uh, away from home. I'd been uh, in another city, and my phone had kind of gotten used to that other city. And so when I came home, you know, I pulled up a map, and it said, you are here. And you are here was where I had been. And I was looking at it going, well, that's no use, right? It doesn't know where I am. And if it doesn't know where I am, it can't tell me how to get there. That's no use. So part of the fact of, of life is that we first have to figure out where we are before we can figure out where to go. This is true individually and corporately. This is true both at, I need to know that, and we as a country kind of need to figure that out. We as a world, we as all people 
need to kind of say, here's where we are and, and really take a look at that. There are some big issues facing our world, and wherever you stand on those issues, until we are clear about what that issue is and where we are on it, we're not going to move forward. So if we talk about hope, I'm not just talking about my hope or your hope, but our hope too. Both of those pieces are combined in this process of hoping. So many times what we do is we shoot something down because of what reality is. And I just for a moment want to think about the people who have figured things out when people said you can't do that. How could you get to the moon? That's not possible. Let's face reality. That can't be done. That happened. You know, many times it's done for these big innovations where people say, well, that's not possible. But somebody had the belief it was possible and worked towards it. So many times what we do is reality, reality checks are really our own reality. (laughs) What we think is possible, not what is possible. Hope is a little different because reality is about where people think they are now. Hope is about where they think they might be able to get to, what could be. Where we are, reality. I'm all for that, facing that. But when we use that as a way of negating where we could be, That's not so much what I think is about hope. When I was a chaplain, I watched many people deal with just that issue where they would say, yes, I know I'm sick, but I'm going to figure out a way to deal with this the best I can. I'm going to see how I might be able to change some things in my own life. So many people would change their diet or their exercise or, or many things about their life. Many people would seek out alternative treatments, or even experimental treatments. And over time, many of those people found some success or at least found some way of saying, okay, I've done everything I can. So in chaplaincy, I saw lots of people who dealt with that. I also, interestingly, saw many people who gave up. They figured out where they were. They understood exactly what was going on, and they just decided nothing could be done from here. The fact of where you are doesn't always tell us of where you could be. The potential for change is often there if we look for it. And that's the hope piece of that. Also saw the same thing in therapy. Many people would come in to therapy and they would get locked on what happened back there in their history. And what I realized was that they were struggling with how to see a hopeful future Because they stayed attached to the painful past. The painful past has happened, right? And we are where we are. You are who you are. I am who I am. Based in part on that. But who I could be, who you could be, is based on where we want to go. The future point. How we move to a different place. Which is really where we begin to think about what is hope then. Dr. Charles Snyder did some research in hope back in the late 70s and into the 80s to try to understand what hope really was. And what he discovered is it was not some philosophical idea, not some feeling that you have, not some possibility, but it was something that you you could actually activate in your life. You could, as he discovered, build hope. And what he said is there are three components. It's like an equation, If you want to find hope, you have to have three ingredients in that mix. 
So hope equals a desired destination plus pathway plus agency. So let's go through each of those because really it begins to be fairly simple, not easy, but simple to begin to create your hope of where things are. The first thing, desired destination. Now, for some people, this is the hardest part to figure out what do they want. Many times I had conversations with people in therapy, and I still have that with people in coaching who go, I don't know what I want out of life. I don't know who I want to be. I don't know where to go. So we have to spend some time figuring that out because until you know that, there's nothing else that can happen. So part of our task as a world, as a country, as a community that we're in is to ask, where do we want to be? What kind of, of country, what kind of world, what kind of community do we want to build? Where, where do we want to be? What's our, our goal? How do we want to be in the world? And that begins to break down to our individual place. What do I want in the world? How do I want the world to be? How do I want my world to be? That's our destination, the desired destination. And one of the things that's really interesting is that you don't have to base that on where you are now, not based on reality, but where you would like things to be. What is it that you would like to see out of your life, out of your community's life, out of your world's life, out of your country's life? What would it look like? Where would you like for things to move towards? Until we're clear about that, not just what we don't want. What we do want, until we're clear about that, it's hard to move forward. Many times I would hear people say, well, I don't want this. As I've worked with many troubled marriages, this is a common theme. They would say, well, I don't want this. You know, a a spouse would often say, I don't want to work on my marriage because I don't want what we have. Never thinking about what if there's a possibility of change to something that they would want, something different, a different place to be based on what could be. So our desired destination, we've got to get that down. We've got to figure out what that is. What is your desired destination? You can be as specific as you want or as broad as you want, but what is your desired destination for you, for your family, for your community, for your country, for the world? What would that look like? Because then you have to find the pathways. How do you get there? What are the ways to get there? For instance, let's just use one that has happened to me. Let's say you want to write a book. I can relate to that. I'm constantly in the process of writing a book. And so I can kind of picture that in my head very easily. So my desired destination, I want to write a book. So if I was going to write a book, there are different pathways I might take to do it. But every pathway includes one common theme. I've got to get words down. I've got to get ideas down in a way that people could read it. So maybe I'll get up and type like that's what I do every day. I get up and type in the morning, spend some time putting my words down, I would say on paper, but really, you know, in my computer. So I'm typing. I could also take notes. I've done that before. I could take notes down on paper and then get it typed up. Or I could open up an app and talk into the app. And these days, that app could translate my spoken words into written words. That would work too. Some people have hired ghostwriters to get their ideas down. Those are all pathways, ways that people could write a book. So that's the pathway. 
There's another ingredient, agency. Agency refers to the fact that you're actually willing to take those steps. So let's say I've decided to write a book. I've got a topic I want to write about. I'm going to write a book. Now I have my desired destination. Now I've chosen that I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to write for that hour in the morning. That's my pathway. The question is, when the alarm goes off, do I get up and do it? Do I take my personal agency, my capacity of doing that, and move forward? And we can apply that anywhere in life to pick our desired destination, to choose the pathway, and then our willingness to actually walk in that direction. This is our process for building hope. That's the equation. And part of this process is figuring out the where, then the how to get there, and then our willingness to get there. Where do we want to go? How are we going to get there? Am I willing to take the first step? This is true whether we're talking about our personal or our the greater hope, our personal hope of what I want in my life or the greater hope of what I want in the community. Where could I go? Where could I go starts the conversation. Where could society go? That starts the conversation too. And then there's a subset of where do I want the world to go, my community to go? What is my contribution to that? In order for us to activate hope in this world, it's up to us to ask the question, where do I want this world to go? What kind of world do I want to build, not just for myself, but for my kids and my kids' kids and my kids' kids' kids and for all the other kids around? What kind of world do I want to leave behind? What kind of world do I want? What trajectory do I want in the world? And then they ask the question, am I willing to take some steps to get there? One of the pieces of that is to ask, am I leaving the world a better place? Not am I leaving my small group or myself a better place, but am I leaving the world at large at a better place? Now, all of this is stuff that I've actually talked about before. If you've heard me talk about control, one day it occurred to me that when I was talking about control, what you can control... I actually was describing exactly the formula for hope, and I didn't even realize it for a long time. I've come to realize that when we focus on what we can control, we are actively building hope. Those two pieces go hand in hand. I believe that many times we spend a lot of time trying to control the things we can't control while not controlling the things we can control. So to remind you of what I believe you can control, there are three things. Your aspirations, your attitude, and your actions. That's it. That's all you have. Your aspirations, your attitude, your actions. You can't control somebody else's aspirations. You can't control their attitude, and you can't control what they do or do not do. You can't control their actions. So let's just kind of go through those very briefly. Since I've talked about these other places and there are other podcasts about this, I'm going to just talk about them very quickly. Your aspirations, those are your dreams, your hopes, your desires, where you want things to go. What do you aspire to in your own life and what is your aspirations for the bigger life? We can't just be focused on our own place. We need to be thinking about it in a bigger context of our community, of our world, of our country. That brings those aspirations to a bigger platform. But what do I want for myself and for that bigger place? Those are my aspirations, my dreams. 
Now, we do also have fears. We just don't control those. Our fears are often the mirror of our aspirations. If you think about what you most want, you can probably look at the opposite and see that's also what you most fear. Now, let's go the other direction. If you're trying to figure out what your aspirations might be, look at what you most fear and then look at the opposite of that. When I'm working with couples, many times they tell me they most fear having a disconnected relationship that's bitter and hurting. But what do they aspire to? A loving and warm relationship where they support each other, right? That's the aspiration. And they get to choose that. Now, the fears will pop up in your head. That's just because that's the way our brain is wired. They're going to pop up. You can't control whether they pop up or not. You do have some choice on how much energy you give them, but not the choice on whether they appear or not. Our brain just has fears appear over and over. You have a choice over the aspirations you choose, though. So our aspirations actually are the desired outcomes, our desired destination. So that's part one of the hope formula. When we choose our aspirations, we are choosing our desired destination. Now I'm going to skip over for just for a minute the attitude and go right to action because action is the pathway. What I do or don't do that move me towards that destination Sometimes what I don't do is just as important to get me there as what I do, what I say, what I do. So in the part of what we can control, we get to choose what we do and what we don't do, what we say and what we don't say. We choose our actions. We choose the pathways we want. We can look at that and say, I choose to act this way. I choose to move in this direction. In that process, we have chosen the pathway. So now we have a desired destination. We also know the pathway we can take. The question is whether we go or not, our agency or attitude. Your attitude is your willingness to move in a direction. I will figure this out. That is an attitude. I give up on that. That's another attitude. You get to choose which one. That's something we can control. I can choose and control whether I walk away and give up or whether I push forward and figure it out. Sometimes we lose fact, or face that, that fact. We lose the possibility of choosing that. And we have to face the fact that we have control over that. So as we choose those pieces, as we choose our aspiration, what we want to move towards... And we choose our willingness to move in that direction. And we choose our actions. We're building our hope, not just our own hope, but our bigger hope for the world. We can find that our goals are built along the path that we're willing to follow, both as individuals and seeing ourselves in a bigger peace for society. That's how we build our own small world of hope and the hope in the world at large. Let's work together to find a more helpful, hopeful future for ourselves and for the world simply by taking control of how we construct and build our hope. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to build your thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. 
Remember that Thriveology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. 